<laughs> clear the room. <laughs> that was a good way to start our first mm-hmm. episode. to floor the podcast we are your hosts i'm sky and i'm lewis and we are this is our first ever episode so That's this right. is this is exciting brand new podcast Lu, this is lewis's first time to podcasting mm-hmm. so we're gonna be extra nice to him <laughs> and this is not my first time so we can be extra mean to me and good plan good good plan yeah, okay good plan. <laughs> so with this podcast we talk about crazy outlandish events phenomenon theories whatever it might be Today, I'm bringing you a little bit of a tidbit from history. Ooh. And this is about Robert Liston. Robert Liston. Have you heard of Robert Liston? I've heard the name, but I don't know. He's a surgeon. Does surgeon. that tell you anything? Mm, was he a sketchy surgeon? Well, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> so, this this just whole thing is just fascinating. Like, every aspect of him is mm-hmm. insane. So, he was born in Scotland in October 29th 1794 forgot how to say numbers there and i want you to just remember that he was born in scotland so just imagine and he was like really tall i guess like six foot two tall loud scotsman yeah classic yeah so he studied medicine and i'm just gonna give a little bit about his background first There, there was much more to it but i'm just getting the the tidbits that i think are important yeah yeah he studied medicine at the university of edinburgh from 1808, and then in 1810, he became assistant to his tutor, Dr. John Barclay. In 1818, he had become house surgeon in the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh uh-huh. under Dr. George Bell, but he was dismissed in 1822 due to disagreements with Bell and not reinstated until 1827. And then in 1828, he was promoted to operating surgeon, and he was also elected a fellow of the Royal Society in 1841. Now, I don't know what that means or what that entails, but he did it. He's a smart dude. It sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. So, one thing about Robert Liston is that he was an excellent surgeon. About one of every ten of his patients died on the operating table at London's University College Hospital. The surgeons at St. Bartholomew's, which was nearby, lost about one in every four. Wow. So not a great time to have surgery. Mm-mm. And this is one thing that he is really, really famous for, which is what I'm going to tell you about next. In 1846, Liston received a patient named Frederick Churchill, whose right knee had been causing him terrible problems for years. So any other treatments leading up to this hadn't worked. And so the only option was amputation. Oh. Yeah. I don't think they had physical therapy back then, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was it. Mm-hmm. So on that day, Liston walked into the operating room, and instead of just grabbing a knife and asking for the audience to time him, which we'll come back to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, he pulled out a jar of ether. So during this time, American dentists and doctors had been using ether as a surgical anesthetic. Mm-hmm. But up until this point in England, there was no anesthetic. Oh, nice. Like, it was essentially just meditation. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Which is super great, as we know. 
there's probably people over there having their own MLMs and they're like, just use these herbal supplements mm -hmm. to knock you out <laughs> during surgery. Oh my gosh. And he even said in a quote during the surgery, we are going to try a Yankee Dodge today, gentlemen. Except for in Scottish. Can you say that? In I, oh, I do a bad Scottish accent. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll work on it okay. for next time. Oh, oh, I didn't even finish the quote. We are going to try a Yankee Dodge today, gentlemen, for making men insensible. We are going to try... No, what I'm not going to try that. I think it just means, like, you're going to knock them out. Oh, just going to knock them out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Insensible. We're going to drive them mad. So, uh, his colleague, Dr. William Squire, which also, his name is Dr. William Squire, and he's assisting. Squire. That's enough. Mm -hmm. Anyway. And he administered the anesthesia. And so how this worked was there was a rubber tube to the patient's mouth so that it, he could inhale the ether. And after a few minutes later, he was out. So then they had a handkerchief that would, like, had it in it, and then that was over his face to keep him that way. Yeah. Luckily, the surgery only took... How, how long do you think the surgery was? Um, so we, I kind of already hinted at, he is a very fast surgeon, and this was in 1846. And this was for an amputation? Amputation of his knee. Um, well, his leg, I guess. Oof. How long would it usually take? Like, mm, like an hour? It was 25 seconds. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is where I was like, this is crazy. What, did he just hack it off? Yeah. So, oh my god. he, uh, a few minutes later, we'll finish the story, and then we'll get more into those details. Mm -hmm. The patient woke up, and he asked the audience when the operation was going to begin. So we're like, oh, it kind of worked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... I want to talk about some of the other like problems with ether. This isn't really related to the story, but I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So the reason why it wasn't continued being used for very long is because it irritated the surgeon's lungs and also caused vomiting and other side effects in the patients. And also it could cause fires if there was like... Super flammable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's like candles in the operating room. Yeah. Um, Liston unfortunately passed away before he really got to see all of that. Mm -hmm. And so he would die before he really got to see any of that. Yeah. So as such, he is remembered as the first surgeon in Europe to operate under ether anesthesia. Wow. And he, after he used it, he even was quoted saying, this Yankee Dodge beats mesmerism hollow. <laughs> and what is mesmerism hollow? Well, I think it's like beats mesmerism. So that's like oh. meditating, oh, wow. essentially, or like hypnosis. I don't know. Oh my God. And then hollow, just being like... Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, as we've established, was a very quick surgeon. He yeah. operated very quickly. And so there were patients that would camp out in his waiting room for days, just waiting for the opportunity to be seen by him. He did try to see every single one of the patients, no matter their condition, which this is what set him apart from the other surgeons at the time. Yeah. And they, he loved treating those, like the tough cases. That is something he liked to do. And the fellow surgeons dismissed dismissed those patients because they were like, they're too hard. What's the point? They're going to die anyway. Um, and so because he took on those patients, the he had his reputation among his college, colleagues, and they called him showy for it, which I felt was huh. like interesting and different than what I would expect. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about 
doing this fat, like the history of why rapid surgeries were so crucial at the time. And with this, I want to talk about two of the books he's published, which includes The Elements of Surgery and Practical Surgery, which was published in 1837. And in this book, he argued the importance of quick surgeries and said that these operations must be set out with de determination and completed rapidly. Also, do you know who Florence Nightingale is? Uh... She was a nurse, yes. right? Yeah. So she was like a great nurse, nurse educator. Mm -hmm. And she had her own book called Notes on Nursing. And this is a quote from her book. There are many physical operations where ceteris paribus, which means all else being equal, the danger is in a direct ratio to the time the operation lasts. And ceteris paribus, the operator's success will be in direct ratio to his quickness. Wow. So I want to introduce now Richard Gordon, and he was a surgeon, he was a ship surgeon and an anesthesiologist, and he actually wrote a book, I think it was in the 80s, about Robert Liston. And Richard Gordon says this, he was unsurpassed as a lightning and de dexterous operator whose methods of crushing stone and amputating thighs were the envy and despair of other surgeons. He even described him as the fastest knife in West End. He had this huge reputation of being incredibly fast, and at the time, speed was essential to reduce pain and improve the odds of survival, mm -hmm. as said with uh, Florence Nightingale's quote. And then this is a little description of him by Richard Gordon. He says, he was six foot two and operated in a bottle green coat with Wellington boots. He sprung across the bloodstained boards upon his swooning, sweating, strapped down patient like a duelist, calling, tie me, gentlemen, tie me, to students, craning with pocket watches from the iron railing galleries. Everyone swore that the first flash of his knife was followed so swiftly by the rasp of saw on bone that sight and sound seemed simultaneous. To free both hands, he would clasp the bloody knife between his teeth. Wow. Gross. Yeah. And then nasty. he would use it on a patient. Oh, that's, yeah, sanitary. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. This is going to get me into my next point, which was the cleanliness of these surgeries. And a little bit on the history of surgery at the time. So during the time, surgeons operated in blood-stiffened frock coats. And... In their little world, the stiffer the coat, the prouder the busy surgeon. And pus was as inseparable from surgery as blood, and cleanliness was next to prudishness. This next part, if you guys have watched Midnight Mass, I know Lewis and I have. Do you remember when they're talking about the science behind what's happening to the blood? I'm trying to talk about it without yeah. giving away spoilers. Yes, and then <laughs> the the doctor, she's like, oh, when washing hands became a thing, it was crazy. And it was like, and so that oh, right. literally was real. Mm -hmm. So the connection between surgical hygiene, infection, and maternal morality, mortality, which is what was mentioned in Midnight Mass, mm -hmm. at Vienna General Hospital was only made in 1847 by Vienna physician Dr. I-G-N-A-Z. How do you say that? Ignaz? Ignaz. 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 Ignaz? I don't know. <laughs> Philip Semmelweis from Hungary. Um, after a close colleague of his died. Mm -hmm. And so before this, Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes like was at a conference and he was saying, hey, we need to start paying attention. We need to be sanitary. We need to wash our hands. And everybody like basically booed him off the stage and laughed at him. Because they were like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Silly. Absolutely <Silliness>. bonkers. <laughs> so after Dr. Semmelheis' friend 
died, he actually started instituting the hygiene practices that were touted by Dr. Wendell Holmes. And then after that, the mortality rate fell. What a shocker. Wow, yeah, just like that. So this was the area that Liston lived in of just dirty, just gross, yeah. bloody, disgusting. Nasty. And I want to talk a little bit more about Liston himself. So our buddy, Richard Gordon, he states that Liston was an abrupt, abrasive, argumentative man, unfailingly charitable to the poor and tender to the sick, who was vilely unpopular to his fellow surgeons at Edinburgh Royal Infirmary. He relished operating successfully in the reeking tenements of the grass market and lawn market on patients they had discharged as hopelessly incurable. They conspired to bar him from the wards, banished him from banished him south, where he became professor of surgery at University College Hospital, and he made a fortune. Wow. So even, like, now, he is known in history as this fantastic surgeon. And he's commemorated through his this long splint, which does still remain in use, wow. and these bone forceps. Oh, sorry. The long splint is not in use anymore. But it was used until recently. Oh, yeah. And then his bone forceps or bulldog locking forceps are still in use. Wow. So all of this is crazy, but I are you ready for the craziest part? Absolutely. Okay. So... This is what he's also very well known for, and this is kind of where he's gained more popularity in recent articles. There was one surgery where he amputated the leg in under two and a half minutes. Okay. Unfortunately, the patient died afterwards in the ward from gangrene. Huh. During the surgery, however, he also amputated the fingers of his young assistant, who also died afterwards from gangrene, and... He slashed through the coattails of a distinguished surgical spectator who was so terrified that the knife had pierced his vitals, he fainted from the fright, but he actually had just died of shock. No way. So this episode has been dubbed as the only known surgery in history with a 300% mortality rate. Oh my god. <laughs> so he killed the patient? His assistant. His assistant. And, and then just some person watching, I guess, who was a little too close. So did, wait, the person watching, did they get hit by? Yeah, so they, he slashed through the coattails of a distinguished surgical spectator. What did they, what did, what does that And then he died from shock. Oh my God. I think they were just like, you know how the, the surgery, like theater, like is a thing and has always been a thing. Yeah. And it's, it's from that, I think. Oh my gosh. Just like, they're just just watching. Just literally just watching. Yeah. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So that one is the most famous of his quick, speedy surgeries. Yeah. Uh, shocking, right? That, Weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you ready for this one? This one might hurt a little. So also, he was amputating a patient's leg. Oh, no. And he chopped off his balls, too. No. <laughs> no. Ah. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ow. Right? Okay, so... <laughs> and the patients are, like, awake for these surgeries. So what he... And they're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I needed that. So those. accuracy was sacrificed a little bit. Oh, definitely. His... Yeah, just a tad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is... That is not fun. No. Yeah. So the funny thing is, so remember how I said in, like, 1847 was when they started 
buckling down on being clean and stuff. He actually died in December of 1847 from an aortic aneurysm. Mm-hmm. So that's Robert Liston. And one thing that's cool is his like coffin is at these catacomb things in England. And you can go and see his like casket. You can see his casket. Kind is of. It it's like the... No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. And he only has <laughs> one leg and no balls. No. Uh, it's It's like the foot... It looks like it's like the foot of the casket like it's like pushed into a wall and the oh. foot has of it has like a plate on it oh yeah you know what i'm talking about so I, yeah. like it's and like I, that it's there's a picture online you can look it up very cool anyway so that was uh that was robert liston <laughs> wow that yeah not a good time to have surgery no have you heard no. of, had you heard of that story matt had heard I, of it the, the name, people dying i've heard the name liston before mm-hmm. But that's that's about it, and I, I knew he was so, you know someone in the medical community. Didn't know when, where, or anything like that. No, I do. Yeah. Wow. That. Yeah. Isn't that? I'm, I hate um, to be like, is that fun? <laughs> so no, fun. It's so interesting, but I mean, yeah, I I am very happy that we live in a time when we live in a time where soap are, exists. Yeah, that's soap. Even just like the speed alone, like I'm just happy we have soap. We wash our hands. Yeah. Like, hand the speed sanitizer. is still a factor. Oh, but yeah. it has more to do with, like, how long they want someone to be under. Yeah, uh, it's and, more related to anesthesia now. Right. And... Versus yeah. before, it was because they didn't have anesthesia. That's a good point. Yeah. So now it's... Yeah. But we... Yeah, soap. 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 The mm-hmm. miracle of soap. The miracle of soap. Saving lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew this. In, in Rome, they used urine as soap a lot because it's ammonia they used it to wash their laundry they would like stomp on (laughs) clothes they would like pee on their clothes and just wash them that way really crispy white shirts do you can you imagine how they all smelled i mean once i feel like once they I, i think it was it was just a step though like oh i don't know they would rinse it out they also used urine as mouthwash Okay, now that's just down. <laughs> More on the topic of soap and that I mean, hey, grossness. It is sterile, right? So I guess it's no only was... sterile. I mean, as long as you don't have like a. It's sterile if you <laughs> do it one time. Yeah. Like you can drink your pee one time, but you can't drink it again. Right. And then it's bad. <laughs> your face. Yeah. I mean, I guess in general, it's not a good. Yeah, no, no, I, I would not recommend drinking pee. If no, you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's been a, that's this, is not, this is not one of those pee drinking groups. We'll no, we that, do not yeah. support it. <laughs> okay, that was a fun ending. Um, anyway, so if you all have suggestions for us or any advice or feedback, you can find us at Floor the Podcast on Instagram. That's our only media handle right now because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all we can handle. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just still using the old my old podcast email so it's hmct podcast at gmail.com if you want to send anything that way we i don't know this will be fun yeah lewis was oh, supposed yeah, to bring well, a story today and he forgot yeah i completely forgot to so a story. i need i need some time to i'm a slow writer too. i feel like that was so perfectly like, perfect of your character though to start us off <laughs> yes that is very representative of things to come so all right, we look forward to having these episodes weekly eventually. We're just going to start yeah. off with this one for now while we get everything figured out. So we have something out there so you guys can listen. That's right. And then eventually we'll be doing it every week. 
we want to send you off with our favorite word of advice, which is if you shit your pants, you get to go home. <laughs>